What's up, everybody? This is Dave DeAustin, uh, and this is KafaruCast. Thanks for joining us. Uh, over on my left is Frank Peralta. Yo. And we have my buddy from Utah, Jason LaRue, on the line. What's up, guys? Yeah, Jason, I just I really wanted to get together and chat and talk about hunting partners. Um, we've all had good and bad hunting partners, uh, especially the longer you hunt and the more people you run into. But uh, you seem to be uh, one of the best guys I've hunted with. Um, you don't complain, you pack a lot of meat, <laughs> <laughs> you kill a lot of animals. So yeah, it's been good. It has been awesome. Yeah. Cool. Glad, glad to be on. Appreciate the invite. Yeah, man. I've, uh, thanks for coming on. I've heard a lot about you and Dave speaks really highly of you. And he, um, like he was saying, he, he thought it'd be important to, uh, get someone like you on the podcast and talk about, uh, your, your guys's bromance hunting relationship <laughs> <laughs> and uh what it takes or what it, what you guys are looking for in a in a solid hunting partner so um you know i i do personally a, a lot of solo hunting um i have also found it kind of hard to find a good hunting partner um done some hunting with aaron in the last few years which has been awesome um when i get the chance to and uh but yeah i think um it's something that should be talked about is finding a, a good hunting partner and somebody you can rely on and I'll let you guys take it from here. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, I've hunted with a lot of different guys and, you know, when I met Jason, um, I think it was about 2015. Yeah. That's um, right. Yeah. So I, I had run into your hunting camp a couple of times and, uh, ran into your friend and I never saw you on the mountain. And he kept talking about like this guy, Jason, he's, he's a great guy. You ought to meet him. You know, he's, he knows what he's doing, elk hunting and stuff like that. Yeah. I think it was 2015 we were friends on Facebook and we had both drawn uh, a limited entry archery elk tag in Utah uh, for the same unit. And we had kind of been messaging about it a little bit back and forth. Didn't, you know, we're kind of tight lipped about where we're hunting and all of that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I remember at one point um, after the hunt, we were uh, going to get lunch together just to, just to talk, you know, hunting stories and, you know, just, catch up. And, uh, I remember you saying to me, um, you know, I think we're, I think I know where you hunt, uh, in the general season. And I was like, what'd you do oh, when he oh. said that you shit, shit your pants? <laughs> I was like, oh, oh. don't even say it. Cause I'm not even going to say any names. Uh, I was super tight lipped about it. And you're like, well, I'm not asking you to tell me, but I think I know exactly where you are and I'm going to tell you. And you told me and you were, you were dead on and uh, we had talked about it. You had been hunting that area for a couple of years, and I'd been in there for a few years too. Um, and we shared some intel. And the very next year, we started hunting together in this particular area and found some success together. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I remember, like I said, in 2015, I'm like, well, I've got a tag. You had posted on it. I followed you on social media, which, you know, all good relationships start that way. <laughs> and I'm like, well, like... I want to help out because, you know, it's limited entry, so it's not like it's everyone's, you know, year in and year out honey hole, but it was still like, well, I'm kind of thinking on the far southwest end of this unit, and you're like, yeah, I'm kind of around there, and we tiptoed back and forth, you know, kind of different areas, and then as we got closer, it was, okay, you know, this particular side of such and such road, and kind of got closer, but it was funny, we never actually you know, met up or hunted it all together, I ended up shooting my bull like a day before or two days before you did. And uh, turn, turns out we were actually just a couple of canyons away, so we we're really close. So I thought, well, that maybe, you know, means something. We at least think that the elk are in the same overall type of area. 
So it was it was pretty cool to finally meet up and start talking about yeah different areas you'd been. And I remember being fairly tight-lipped, and it was like a serious negotiation between countries getting ready to throw <laughs> a, bombs at each other. Like, yeah. well, how far this side of such and such road? Like, well, between five miles and fifty miles. Like, okay, <laughs> that narrows it down. And you know, I think at, at some point. Uh, I think between both of us, it's like, look, we we appreciate our hunting areas, and they take a lot of effort to find. And so I think at some point we're like, okay, we've got nothing to lose and probably everything to give here. And I think that, that kind of opened it up. We're like, all right, here's where I'm at. Here's what I've seen. Here's what I've done. And it just the stories combined. And I think, you know, all that together made us better uh, – better elk hunters and we're able to see you know get get to learn things from each other's experiences so i mean it certainly came true for me it was like a whole light bulb went off i'm like man i was just on the other edge of where this you know water source was or whatever it's just it was really cool to i think it took years off of my learning curve so to speak so it was pretty awesome was this uh for archery is that where you archery, guys yep. nice yep archery elk. elk archery elk in utah nice. which is really difficult yeah, I've I've learned uh, in my limited elk hunting experience, elk hunting solo is is not ideal. Especially, if, well, I mean, the hunting part maybe, the pack out part most definitely not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, I can't yeah. think of anyone else I'd call uh, before Jason because Jason, um, I remember it was a uh, 20, 2019, was it? Uh, you came in to uh, help pack out my bull, and you were sick as heck. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You were. Oh, you had the flu, you had a fever and everything, but you were still there helping me pack that yeah. thing out. This is it was a, pre-COVID, so it was okay to do that. Nowadays, you'd be <laughs> arrested, but uh, it, it was, yeah, that's true. I was supposed to come up that, I think it was a Monday, and I was like, oh, I hate bailing out on people, you know. I mean, I, you know, you're not, you're not relying on me to go and hunt there, but I was just, could not get up. And then I get a text, like I just shot, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to pull my crap together and head on up there. And the, the mountain was therapy because by the time I got to the top, I felt better. Yeah. Speaking of pre COVID, how are, uh, how are things in Utah with the COVID restrictions? We're pretty, uh, pretty locked down here in Denver. We haven't locked down yet, but it's, it's hit or miss. You know what I mean? Luckily for work we're we can be a hybrid schedule. I prefer to work in the office. I just have a better setup and you know, we're, we're playing it safe. So for the most part, we've been, fairly unaffected. I got kids in school and the schools haven't been too crazy. So it's, I guess, other than the initial interruption, it's been fairly steady. So that, that's been good. Yeah, that is good. Mm. It's uh, it's an interesting place an interesting world now with the, uh, all the COVID restrictions, we had to shut down our showroom and I know it's been a little bit frustrating for some of our customers, but I think for the most part, people have been understanding, but I think uh, everyone's getting a little antsy and uh, wanting to get back to normal. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. So Jason, um, you're kind of under the radar a little bit with like social media and stuff. Like people don't may look at your page and not think like this guy is a dedicated elk killer. Um, yeah. <laughs> and you know, that's one of the things I appreciate about you. You're not out there trying to get like a lot of, uh, coverage and stuff like that. But, uh, tell, tell some of the listeners about like what you do for, for work and your life, how long you've been hunting, things like that. I guess elk hunting is my passion, so I have to feed it and that costs money. I'm also married, uh, married to Southern Bell. 20 years, it'll be uh, next month. So that's like a huge milestone. It's kind oh, of nice. crazy to believe nice. it's been 20 years. Congrats. So, yeah, thank you. 
Thank you very much. I got three kids. They're all teenagers, and uh, they're good kids, but they're highly emotional and opinionated. I, I guess I'm kind of the same, so I get. I guess I got what I gave my mom. But you know, for work, I work for an engineering firm uh, here in Salt Lake City. I'm not an engineer. I'm in a, a leadership role and work for uh, equipment that uh, cleans water. That's probably all the details I'll give you, so I don't bore everybody. <laughs> but one of the funny things that, uh, interesting enough, when I got married, this kind of, turn, you know, thinking of a hunting partnership, not necessarily out in the field, but a partnership at home. Um, you know, early on, my wife has never been really much in the outdoors. Her family never hunted or fished, didn't even own animals. And I was like a dog lover and was always out, you know, on the weekends. That took a few years to get it figured out. And, you know, it was always that misunderstanding of how much time and money are you spending. And unfortunately, or maybe it was fortunate enough to really test the marriage, is I wasn't really successful. And she's like, what are you doing out there? Like, smelling flowers? I'm like, well, sometimes, <laughs> but that's not my main focus. And uh, I think what it was is it, it's, it's a passion of mine, and it's something that is necessary for me to get out every year and to, you know, pursue my passions and, and uh, you know, just un- unplug, I guess. And she didn't really have that. But when the kids got old enough, she went into boxing. So that led to two things. One, she found her passion and understood it from my perspective. And also, I had to become a better and more successful hunter because I had the threat at home that she might punch me if I didn't bring something to fill the freezer. So both combined, uh, you know, helped me to get out in the field and just relax and enjoy it because she was more um, understanding and more supportive of me being out in the field um, trying to hunt, and I remember one time just saying, "Dear, I need ten days. If you give me ten days, I'll bring something home." In the back of my mind, I'm thinking, "You better make it happen." <laughs> and uh, sure enough, just going from kind of weekend hunter to an entire week, or maybe both weekends, did make a huge difference, especially with elk, because they can just take a while to find. Um, and uh, from that point, you know, she's like, "I don't really want to eat this. Is it safe?" I'm like, "It's safer than what you buy at the store." And within you know, a few meals, she was hooked, and now she's, like, telling me, you know, the freezer's kind of empty. Uh, maybe you should go out this weekend. So it's, <laughs> it's come full circle. Yeah, that's awesome to hear. I want to hear some hunting stories, uh, one of which you may or may not be uh, up for telling, but uh, I want to hear about that, <laughs> that six-point bull that you shot uh, a couple years back. Um, and uh, I, I, think it's, I think it's funny, and it's happened to all of us. Uh, and I, I love it because it's kind of like uh, – a story where you're kind of set up for failure, but you, you killed your biggest elk. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> sure. I'll, I'll tell it. I, I know what you mean. Cause many people are like, well, you know, you see a nice bull elk, uh, something that would be considered sort of a trophy class and you want like an amazing story, you know, like, well, I went to this meadow, there were a couple black bears, but I fought them off. And then <laughs> I did this perfect calling sequence and outsmarted 15 other hunters. And, and, and that didn't happen at all. So, <laughs> so the story, and, I, and I'm not too proud to say it because luck is a huge factor, but an area I'm familiar with, kind of know the, some of the elk patterns, but I sat up in this spot where I had scouted for you know, a month beforehand and was certain that I was going to see some elk opening day. And I sat there and I waited and I could hear footsteps coming closer. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is, it's barely light. You know, I'm so excited for this. And these footsteps seem to take forever. I'm like, come on, come on. Arrow's knocked. I'm starting to calm down, so I don't have that initial adrenaline rush. And then I hear the distinct sound of squirrels 
chirping in the in the trees. And I'm like, yeah, you got to be kidding me. So I was all amped up because it was super quiet. And uh, anyway, make a long story short, about midday, I'm like, I'm sick of sitting here. I've run out of patience. I'm going to go do a big loop. And I loop up around, do a couple calls, do some glassing. It's kind of windy and make a loop back to the same place that I had set up. And I stopped to get some water in a, in a creek uh, not too far from where I was set up. And I'm climbing back up on the hill, and I'm like, gosh, my guts are just bubbly. I don't know what I had for breakfast, but it is not good. <laughs> and I just sat down, had my water all filled up. I'm like, you know, I'm going to go walk over here so I'm you know, away from my setup spot. And I had this feeling like, grab your bow. I'm like, I'm not going to grab my bow. Like, yeah, you hear stories, and you see the paintings, and I'm like, I'm not going to take my bow. I just want to <laughs> go and quick and come back. So I grabbed my bow. I take a few steps on the edge of this, you know, opening bush, brush all around me, get ready to do my business. I'm dropping trowel and I hear the distinct sound of something moving through. And I'm like, okay, that's not a squirrel. And pretty soon I see a flicker of some antlers through some sun, you know, shining through this thick brush. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And one of the coolest things beyond seeing an animal or an elk, especially is to know that you're going to be in bow range and you're going to get a shot opportunity. And it was just like dialed in. So I pulled up my pants. Nothing was buttoned. I knock <laughs> an arrow. I see this thing coming through, thick as can be, and the, and the light was on its antlers, and I swear it was a 7x7. Seven seven. Like, this was the biggest elk I've ever seen. <laughs> so I pull back, and I'm waiting, and it's thick brush, and there's a little clearing right next to this uh, tree that had fallen down, and there's all the branches you know, running vertically. But there was a little spot, and he, as he entered that area, I knew it just could feel it was right behind that shoulder, shot. He turned and ran. I saw the arrow almost all the way buried in, and like, yes, I've, I've got him. I've nailed him. So it was pretty exciting. Uh, of course, the first thing I did is send the BBD to, to Dave, and I'm like, I'm not 100% sure on the shot. I'm going to give it some time. It's a big bull. And uh, it was cool because I like I can't I I just was just sitting there like I really want to go and and look but I'm not I'm going to be disciplined I'm going to wait for Dave to get down here, and uh, you know sure enough without w without too much time Dave was down and telling him the story and he's like what you were doing what I'm like yeah <laughs> I had gut issues you know we all experience it especially in the woods and you know anyway and so we ended up blood trailing maybe 125 yards and found it piled up dead and it was just it was an awesome experience but it was. Uh, he came in close. I ranged it afterwards, and he was 13 yards away, close as I'd ever been to a to an elk, and it ended up uh, ended up with the bull on the ground. Yeah, it was a great bull too, and I think when we walked over and rolled him over, you shot right through the shoulder blade, passed through. It looked like a hard shot. Yeah, yeah, it was it was a good shot, but uh, I couldn't tell from when I first shot it was too much brush in the way. <laughs> oh man, good. such a great bull. I think the most important question here is. Uh, were you able to wipe? <laughs> <laughs> well, see, the, here's the here's the, the kicker. I I never actually deposited anything there in the, in the dirt, so I didn't need to. But yeah. I will tell you this: once that bull came, I don't know if I pooped for days. So it, it was a it, it healed everything. I was I was completely back to normal. Yeah, that was my first question when I got to you: was so did you get to do your business or like? <laughs> <laughs> oh. I don't. Yeah, not needed. Oh man, I was I was so excited for you. I still am. That's that's such a great bull. Um, so yeah, it was an awesome time. Since you told that story, I'll go to 2020. Um, <laughs> Jason and I are camped out together hunting, and uh, we decided about halfway through the week we're not seeing anything. It's 
it's so hot on the mountain, smoky, the elk are not moving, the deer are not moving. Uh, we have trail cams up. seems like everything was moving from 2 to 4 a.m. Uh, they're just nocturnal because it's so hot. We pack out for the day, uh, stay at Jason's place, uh, shower up, wash some clothes, and get a fresh start, you know, clear our minds, you know, go back positive. Uh, and uh, that day we had some pizza. And yeah. sometimes I'm a little bit lactose intolerant. <laughs> and uh, not always, but sometimes. And uh, we get back on the mountain, we get to camp, and it hits me. And my stomach is gurgling, and I run over, and I'm, you know, taking care of business. <laughs> I think I went every 45 minutes for the rest of the day. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was in rough shape. Did you run out of TP? Well, the next day... I did. Oh, no. <laughs> I had toilet paper. I had wipes. I had everything. And uh, I'm up on the mountain, and I, I am high enough where I have service. And and I text Jason thinking, you know, like, uh, SOS here, right? Like, dude, I just ran out of toilet paper. I'm in bad shape. <laughs> and I'm expecting I'm expecting him to be like, oh, yeah, uh, I'm, I've got a ton. I've got some extra. I'll, I'll, help, I'll help you out. And he comes back with, well, you better get used to using leaves. <laughs> and I'm sitting there like, oh, man, it's it's late August. There aren't many aspens around me. And the, the brush that is around me, the leaves are about, I don't know, the size of a 50-cent piece. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, sadly, I had to use that for uh, the rest of the day. But, uh, you know, I survived. And uh, You did have to use the foliage? Yeah, I did. I did. Um, That's brutal. Uh, it was, I think it I would have liked straddled over a small creek or something, you know, like a <laughs> backcountry bidet. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you do what you got to do, right? Yeah. Um, I didn't want to lose my socks. Those things are like 20, 30 bucks, right? Mm. Yeah. Uh, stuff like that happens, but you, you make do and you, you get through it. Um, yeah. Last year, we, this past season, we didn't see, well, you saw some elk after I left town. I didn't see a single elk. Um, I saw one deer. It was a nice big three by three. Gosh. It's just, it was an off year. Well, and everyone said it, which for me was like comforting. You know, 2019 was a different year for all sorts of reasons. I didn't have near as much time uh, to hunt as I normally do, which is a great excuse. This year I have no excuse. I hunted ample and went to different states and just couldn't get it done. But to hear others say, it was really weird. It was a weird year. We couldn't see elk where we normally see elk. They weren't vocal. I'm like, okay, well, that's what I experienced. So I'm... Uh, uh, Dave and I are already texting back and forth, getting each other pumped for 2021. I know it's several months away, but uh, the uh, the energy and the uplift uh, never ceases. So we're we're pretty excited for next year. Yeah, we've we've had a lot of success in the past. You know, just putting up trail cams and and just checking out tons of different areas, different locations, different states. Uh, there have been a couple of years where we've uh, we've killed back to back. Yeah, a day, two days, and in, in between our you know. Uh, elk that we've killed and has brutal pack outs, but it's all worth it. Yeah. Well, it is. And I think if you go to a, a partnership, I mean, I, I don't know if, how many people love to pack out elk. I, I love it. I think it's great. It's a lot of work, but it's, uh, you know, it's a culmination of all the time and all the effort before then. So that was what, 2017, I believe. It was like 24 hours later. You know, I'm waking up from a long day of packing. I'm finally, you know, back at home, showered up, like, ah, oh, life is good. And I get a text in the morning, like, I just shot a bull. I'm like, giddy up. I'll be up there soon. 
you know, and uh, it was it was cool to finally arrive up there. You've got a you know a dead elk. I'm like, let's get after it. Let's let's go again. It was it was fun. It was I love it. Yeah, there aren't many guys out there you can count on to to pack out two days in a row or literally two bulls in a row and just it's it's hard work. Yeah, yeah, it is a lot of work. Talk about some of your guys's uh, strategies as far as. Um, when you're hunting together or when you're hunting by yourselves, you guys doing a lot of, uh, I know David ta- was telling me today about his trail cams and stuff. Are you guys setting a lot of uh, tree stands as well? Or are you kind of running and gunning and calling or what are your guys' tactics, especially for, I think in, in Utah, the season starts earlier than it does in Colorado, right? Yeah, it's pretty early. Right. Like mid August. Yep. Well, I'd, I'd say we were really good at adapting to the location, the state, the, the season, things like that tried just about everything uh and i think yeah. you know in colorado we did a lot of a lot of really good calling setups it was amazing if if we had camera crew i think our calling was phenomenal it didn't convince any elk but uh <laughs> we gained our confidence in calling after days of calling all day long with no responses but oh. uh yeah utah's different it's it's uh that early season it's you know a lot of water normal paths uh look for shade um just a variety of things, uh, but I think that's right, Dave. Is just adaptability. You know, don't. I know early on, it's one of the first things I I learned from Dave. Is I mean, I I would find areas that I had success, and it was like I'm going to keep going back. Why not? And uh, the the more I learned with where he'd been, I'm like, dude, you've been everywhere. How how did, that's an interesting thought, but. I would go year after year and not kill anything. And it's like, well, why do you keep going to the same spot? It's like, well, I was successful four years ago. It's got to eventually come around. So just not not a wise way of, of uh, approaching a, a hunting season. So it's one of the things I learned from Dave, and that's opened my mind to, to be more apt to try new things, get out of your comfort zone a little bit. And uh, if you don't find animals, at least you get to know an area better. And overall, I think that still makes you a better elk hunter. Yeah, I think I think one thing we've done really well is come up with ideas and kind of split up and check in on each other to see if there's been any movement or, you know, go to a cutoff area, funnels, um, catch them going to bed, catch them going to water, catch them going to feed. But also like staying away from being vocal if they're not vocal. Yeah. Um, especially in the early season and like, like states like Utah where it's hot, elk will be vocal all year long. But um, when you're vocal and they aren't, they know something's up. We're like ninjas in the woods, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, I definitely, uh, I definitely learned a lot from, from Dave this year on the uh, muzzleloader hunt because, you know, I, I definitely feel like if uh, he wasn't there with me, he was, he was filming, but he was also doing a lot of the calling and, and throwing out suggestions. I don't know if I would have ended up getting one or not, but um, yeah, I could definitely see that uh, you are, you're the, you're the elk Jesus of the, of the, of the Wasatch. Uh, uh, that's funny. Um, and so have you guys, have you guys noticed a lot of, uh, a lot more pressure in, in recent years in your hunting spots? Or are you guys feeling like you, you kind of have a honey hole that's still pretty good? Or are you still going to have to, uh, adapt your, your methodologies this year going forward? I think still adapt. I mean, yeah, there were, there were more people in places I don't normally see them. That's been common with, you know, everyone else I've heard from too, but I still think the further you get away from roads and main trails, you still can find areas that have limited pressure, but uh, never get too comfortable in one place. Always move around and look for new areas because it could change overnight. I mean, you could have a huge fire that ruins it for a few years and just, 
somebody hears from somebody else and then, you know, all their friends are there for a couple of years and then, you know, it can ruin an area. Oh yeah, definitely. So there, there are areas, I mean, I, I hunted the Wasatch front, um, how many years, 2009, I think was the first year I hunted it. Um, so I'd been all over, um, and you, you see deer everywhere. You see elk everywhere. You just, you just really have to like, look, but you all, you have to be adaptable. You know, sometimes you play, uh, people against each other or not really people against each other, but you, you bet against people going on stocks on deer. <laughs> um, and basically I would say, okay, this person's going after this deer that I've been glassing up for a long time, 95% sure that they are not going to be successful. So where's that deer going to go after that pressure? And I'm going to cut that deer off. And most of those times I would be really close to the deer and I could get a shot. So sometimes you have to, you have to do that. But yeah, over the, over recent years, you see a huge influx of archery hunters taken to the backcountry, and they're just, you know, all over the place, uh, people camping in basins that their scents getting distributed all over and pushing deer out. And I'm sure you've had that same thing. You, didn't you have that happen this year, Frank? I definitely saw a lot more people than I have in in recent years. Uh, I think last year with the spot where Aaron was hunting, he had a couple guys come in and set up a tent in the bottom of a basin. And uh, they planned on hunting the area if they, if they saw elk. But if not, then they were just going to leave their tent there and go hunt somewhere else. And that just so happened to be pretty close to where a bunch of deer were bedding and it kind of screwed Aaron, uh, screwed Aaron's hunt up, um, in that particular area. But yeah, I mean, I've, I've definitely noticed it here in Colorado, just, uh, you know, just a f- short few years ago, I used to be able to get back into the backcountry and not see another soul for, for 10 days. And now it seems like it's hard to get away from hunters and hikers. I think a lot of people are just starting to get more into, into hiking and backpacking is becoming a little bit more popular again. And, um, I know one thing that that's an awesome tool for hunters, but also it makes it really easy is, uh, like uh, base map hunting maps and, uh, on X maps and Google earth. It takes a lot of the, uh, the hassle out of scouting. So, you know, if, if something looks good from Google earth, you can pretty much guarantee you're going to see some people back there during season. So yeah. yeah, it's, uh, I've definitely had to adapt and I definitely noticed, um, it, the particular area I hunt, I didn't see as many deer this year as I had in the past. So, Mm. um, yeah, it's, uh, it's tough, but it, it's also good to see a lot of people taking interest in hunting. I mean, it's, uh, kind of a double-edged sword in some ways. Selfishly, I wish there were less people out there, but it's definitely good for, for the outdoors and good for the hunting industry and, and good for people in general, just to get out and experience nature. Yeah, true. So you're saying earlier that you're typically a solo hunter, you go out on your own. Mm-hmm. Um, what's it, what's it been like hunting with Aaron? You know, he's a very skillful hunter. He's, he's a good guide. That guy I'm sure can pack a shit ton of meat for you. Right. He's uh, it's, it's, it's been awesome, man. I always, you know, anytime I'm hunting with Aaron or I tag along on, on one of his hunts where I don't have a tag, I'm always trying to, to learn stuff from him. And he's taught me a great deal of stuff, whether it be from hunting or photography and, um, just little tricks here and there. So I'm kind of, uh, an open canvas when I, when I go with him and kind of just learn, learn from him as far as, you know, what anything from the food he takes, how he packs his bag, all that kind of stuff. It's, uh, it's, it's cool to be able to hunt with somebody that has that much experience. You know, he's putting down who knows how many animals every year. And, uh, so, and it, one thing that I've always thought was really cool is how quick he can break down an animal. He's just like a freaking surgeon, but, 
um, yeah, it's cool, man. I mean, I, yeah, like I said, I, I generally hunt alone, but when I've had the chance to hunt with Aaron, it's been, it's been really cool to, to learn with him. And I think him and I both have similar styles and where we can be patient when we need to be. And then when we need to be aggressive, we will be, but, um, yeah, it was, it was fun the last couple of years being able to, to mule deer hunt with him. I didn't get a chance to this year, but, um, yeah, it's, it, he's always got something, uh, something I can learn from, mm-hmm. from him. So yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely a, a good job to have where you can go hunting with your boss and, and learn stuff all the time. So I, I enjoy it. Definitely. Yeah. I, I typically hunt solo the past few years and I would just explore. I would just hike all over. I did hunt with a few people that, you know, after a while I was like, I can't hunt with this person anymore. Maybe they're, they can't keep up. They can't carry any weight. They complain too much or uh, <laughs> they're stepping on sticks, making all sorts of noise. You know, some people, when you run into them and they don't do that and they kind of have the same hunting style, like you're saying, you've got to hang on to those people and you know, you know, they have good skills. Like Jason's a, Jason's a great hunter. He's, he's quiet, even though, uh, he's tall, he's, he's not stumbling around the mountain, um, <laughs> pack a ton of meat. He's a better caller than me. So, uh, that's always a good thing, but yeah, finding a good hunting partner is not easy. Um, another good guy is Robbie White is, uh, he's a heck of a caller. That guy, he'll come up and help you pack any animal down day or night. Super good dude. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And Jason, have you had, uh, any, any bad hunting partners or you don't have to name names or anything. <laughs> <laughs> so Joe, Joseph, uh, so-and-so. No, yeah. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say bad. It just, I, I guess, yeah, to, to define bad would just be like a terrible person and messes everything up. And I think it just goes more to style. And I don't mean spot and, spot and stock versus calling, but like you said, um, like, why are you walking here? You, you know, you just, everything on the other side of that ridge just saw you. Or, you know, those things just take time. And it's, it's you know, you can kind of be impatient sometimes. But there's just that factor of just understanding where you are in the woods and how to navigate through it where you make as little of an impact as possible. You know, I've hunted with some folks where, hey, why don't you come with me? I know a spot. It's in a spike area. Uh, but I, I've, I've killed elk out of there before. Sure walk through, didn't see anything. And next thing you know, I'm like, Hey, how's it going? Oh, I went, I went up to such and such with my brother and his cousin or something. I'm like, wait a minute. What? I mean, it's not like it's a secret spot, but isn't that kind of like, I know it's public land, but you know, there's just that thing where there's that mutual respect. Like if, if Dave tells me anything of any place he's been or explored, like that's, that's his story to tell and his story to tell me, I, I'm not going to, you know, give that away or tell anybody else about it because that's, you got to earn it, in, in my opinion. You, you got to, you know, that that experience of finding an area is is part of the overall process. And I I would say that's another thing. If someone's just out there and really just wants to kill something, and especially if you're successful, and you know, people come out of the woodwork, neighbors and whatnot, like, hey, I, I'd really like to get into bow hunting. We we should go sometime. Like, have you ever shot a bow? No. Have you ever hunted? No. I don't want to be a jerk, but you got a long way to go before you're going to be able to, to be successful. And I, and I don't really know you that well. So I think mentorship's really important, but, but you want to choose your, uh, your Padawan, if you will, who's going to be somewhat similar and listen to your, <laughs> the things that, that you appreciate and value. I think those would be the only like bad experiences. It just, it just doesn't gel. It just doesn't work right. You know, I, I think for the most part, I know what, what Dave's thinking. He knows what I'm thinking. And it, every day I, I'm I'm gunning for him and I will set up wherever I can be to help him be successful and he'll do the same for me and in the end it, it really is overall the, the outdoor experience not just putting something on the ground although at the end of the season if there's nothing dead I'm still a little bit upset but 
you know, the scenery, the little things you see, the little valleys that you find, the secret little water sources, and, and all that is all part of the experience. And a lot of people just don't appreciate that, and that, that can yeah, kind of make it difficult to hunt with someone for a week if they don't value the same thing. I've, I've heard horror stories of guys like going out with someone and they're going to say, okay, this turn, this is your turn. Um, or this is my turn. You know, uh, one guy gives someone a turn, they go after something, they blow it. Uh, and then the next day it's the other person's turn. The other person's going to help. And then they shoot something out from under them. They just shoot over their back. Um, and you know, they're just too hungry for, for the kill or whatever. Um, when you find somebody that's truly a friend, you, you know, you're out there helping them. You want to see them succeed. You want to, you want to ultimately like have them kill something and then have them help you. So, um, yeah, that's always a nice balance to find. But yeah. Uh, the other thing is, uh, bears, right? You saw, you ran into a bear this year. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I've seen some on camera and some at a distance, but, uh, this year, near a, a creek, which you can't hear anything, and neither can they, I, uh, I walked up on a trail just as I crested it over the, the brush, and there was a, I don't know if it was big or not, but he seemed big enough that I didn't want to be too close to him, this bear coming down the trail. So I start kind of grunting and puffing and making all sorts of noise, and he still kept coming, and he finally stopped, looked up, and realized I was not another uh, friendly furry critter in the in the woods. It was, he was about 35 <laughs> yards away, and he turned and ran up the hill and stopped at about 60 and looked just looked at me for a while. But you know, no, it no danger, I, I suppose, but it, it makes you uneasy. And it was you know going to be getting dark too, you know, fairly soon. So I I wanted to go over a, a different ridge and come back down a different way and not bump that thing at night. <laughs> yeah, I know we've been hiking it in the dark on hiking trails and stuff all over and just run into like fresh bear droppings and you're like, Oh man. Yeah. I, I, I know you don't really have to be afraid of black bears, but, um, they still freak me out. It's a, it's a bear. Yeah. Uh, we've had them come into our camp a few times and, uh, destroy toilet paper, uh, destroy like scent free spray, um, water bottles, things like that. And just like tear stuff Even up. Even MREs. Yeah. We'll even eat MREs, so if a bear will eat MRE, he'll, he'll eat anything. Yep. <laughs> Are you guys uh, uh, typically carrying uh, a sidearm or something for protection or bear spray where you guys hunt? Yeah, yeah. I carry a 10-millimeter Glock, and Jason, he's a he's a manly dude, so he's just <laughs> carrying bear spray and, and fists, you know, uh, well, catch hands. Well, bear spray and long legs. <laughs> so I've... Uh, bear story this was not a this is before i met dave but we had shot a, a i shot a cow elk and hung it up in a tree and then the next morning went back in and the and the bags were on the ground and i thought ah those dang coyotes must have got up there and you know drug it down well we saw a mom and three cubs not too long after we went to find the rest of the meat and i grabbed some of my gear that was there and like one bag that didn't have meat that was chewed up and sat down on the trail just like, I can't believe it would just happen. Like we had, you know, bears come in and kill, take it, take the whole elk. And uh, it's in a cattle area. And sure enough, I thought this calf was coming down the trail. Like, hey, guys, look, there's a cow coming down. And it wasn't a cow. It was a big boar. And they're like, oh, my gosh, we're getting out of here. And I'm like, no, no, it's, don't run. It'll be fine. He'll probably walk away. And I was the last one to leave. Well, the bear saw us realized that we were the ones who took his food and kept walking down. So it was a it was a trail. I'm a tall guy. I've got a pretty good stride. And I was not 
the last one to get out of that canyon. <laughs> so I have bear spray for close encounters. If not, I rely on my long gate to get ahead and, and uh, put me into safety. Yeah, as long as you're not the slowest person, I guess that's all that matters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I've been considering taking something um, after this season. I was actually uh, antelope hunting, and I was kind of in these foothills at the bottom of this creek, and uh, I came out of this little thicket of, like, oak brush, and uh, a freaking sow and two cubs ran out right in front of me at like 15, 20 yards. And I guess they smelt me. I don't know if they ended up seeing me or not, but I was like, wow, I'm about to get attacked by a bear while I'm antelope hunting with a bow. <laughs> <laughs> it might have been the first time in history getting attacked, somebody getting attacked while they're antelope hunting. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's a little, it always is a little unnerving when you come across a bear with cubs, even if it is a black bear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, had a, I had a cougar following me up a trail this year. Was this uh, downtown Denver? Well, <laughs> 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 Not that kind of cougar. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's unnerving, too. You're just walking in the dark, and you see these eyes, and uh, you can tell it's on the front of its face. You know, it's not on the sides. And, um, you know, you can tell by the height of it. And then you see the flash of the tail, and you're just like, oh, crap. That and was this they, year? That was this year. And then they disappear, and you're like, oh, man, that's not good. That was at night? Uh, that was opening morning, hiking up uh, to go to go hunt. Not my favorite thing. Yeah, that's interesting. I've uh, speaking of like hunting partners and stuff. I know that uh, I've talked to a few guys that have went hunting with with new friends, and they uh, they refuse to hunt after dark or before you know before the sun comes up. So they won't get out of the truck until the sun comes up, or they won't be out caught out in the woods until or after dark. So I think that's probably another thing for people to consider. That's something that you don't really find out until you're out there on the on the mountain with somebody. Yeah, hunting in numbers, you know, it's it's a little bit, uh, I don't know, you, you don't get as scared as much. Uh, just walking around when you're with somebody, especially if you're faster than them. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, uh, was it two years ago uh, or was it last year Rudy shot that bull and we had that bear come in? It was No, it was two years ago. Two years ago, yeah. Yep, yep. Uh, we had a bear come in looking for the carcass that uh, one of our friends shot and, uh, you know, came into like, I don't know, 12, 14 yards, stood up, saw him and then turned around and just took off. Uh, but yeah, we're starting to see more and more bears around. Are you guys able to hunt bear where, uh, where you're, where you're hunting now currently? Are you able to get a tag or is it like a draw deal or how does Utah work? I'm not too familiar. How does that work, Jason? I think it's like a, a limited draw area. I think it is. I've never hunted bear but, uh, yeah, it's not just over-the-counter. They're obviously increasing in numbers. They're probably allocating some more tags. But, uh, yeah, it's it's some sort of draw. Do you guys think you'll put in for this this coming season? Uh, maybe. Maybe. I for mean, bear? Yeah, archery for maybe. bears is, is tough. I mean, it, it's pretty rare to see them. But um, when you do, you wish you had a tag. Yeah, it seemed uh, like this year, from the people I talked to, whether it be in Colorado or Utah or any of the surrounding states here, it seemed like more people were seeing bears than anything. Um, I know, I, I mean, I I was able to get a bear during early rifle season and saw a couple scouting this year, and, and it just seems like the bear numbers are increasing like crazy for, for whatever reason. Maybe there's not enough tags being put out. or I mean, here in Colorado, we don't even have a spring bear tag, so that could probably be part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It would be... Uh, yeah, it'd be cool to have something like that in your pocket, just in case you're, you know, you come across one on your next, uh, your next outing. Uh, same thing with cougars, you know, like, uh, 
<laughs> I remember taking a, a friend in to an area and hunting one day and he, he ran into a mountain lion and, you know, sniffing his tracks, walking right up to where he was just standing. And then it just like peed and buried it and walked off. And, uh, yeah, it scared the crap out of him, but you know, that'd be nice to have as well. Um, but, uh, for 2021, Jason and I are thinking about, uh, putting in together for limited entry again, since this will be our first year, we can actually put in for Utah limited entry elk again, uh, put in as a group and hopefully draw first year. Be nice. Yeah. Not likely, but it'd be nice. Is, uh, is Utah a, a preference point state or is it all random? Uh, I think for some... limited entry, it's a preference, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it... there's, there's general areas that are open bowl, but for limited entry, yeah, it's a, it's a preference point. Is it, is it some of them are preference point and then some are just a draw? Like they'll randomly pull num- names out of a hat. E- yeah. 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 I that's think, right. It's yeah. Like, I think they re- take half the tags and they allocate those to those with the most points, which of course gets us into the point creep situation. Mm-hmm. And this being a later year, especially with Utah's early season, it's probably the ideal or the best it's going to get for Utah's early season. So I'm sure there'll be a lot of people putting in and meaning that uh, bow hunters, especially you're going to have a, another week than you would have last year just because of the way the, the calendar falls. Yep. So I'm sure it'll be a popular year. Yep. And the, <laughs> the bad thing about Utah archery uh, is it ends just like a few days after the rut starts. So the muzzleloader hunters really get the rut um, early rifle. They get, you know, some of that, but archery, you literally have just a few days of the rut and pre-rut. Yeah. Do you guys ever think you'll, you'll pick up a muzzleloader or you kind of archery? only yeah i thought about that for this this coming year and putting in for that i mean uh i've had uh our friend robbie he he went out and um took his brother out and he shot a really nice bull last season the year before that he took out his i think it was his neighbor or something he shot a really nice bull and it's just right right at the peak of the rut what do you think jason uh i've never done it but if i draw then i'll get into it so it's another way to say, well, I would probably normally stick to my comfort zone and just go with archery, but this is another chance to say, sure, I've got people who know what they're doing. I can hunt with Dave. If we draw together, it'll be a good time. Yeah. So yeah. I'm, I'm for it. Yeah, man. I, this last, this, this season was my first year trying to muzzleloader and I, I liked it quite a bit. It was, it was a lot of fun. Um, definitely a little bit different from archery hunting, but we hunted in a really cool unit and I enjoy rifle hunting, so it was kind of a, an easy transition for me. Yeah, I like it. I think it's cool to be able to hunt with a with a firearm, quote-unquote, that early in the year. I've always been interested in it, so it's something I want to look into more more, uh, more often. Do you think you'll consider more species with muzzleloader? I, man, I know there's been a lot of situations. I've been archery hunting for mule deer where I've just thought, like, if I could only shoot just that much further or, you know, I'd feel a little bit more comfortable shooting that much further it would have been i would have had uh, a f- quite a few more deer on the ground so yeah i think it's something that i want to look at but um i definitely do love uh early season archery hunting as well for deer so mm-hmm. it'll be it'll be a tough choice but uh yeah maybe maybe another elk hunt next year or something like that but uh yeah it's there's just so little time man so little time you know you want to shoot your bow and want to archery hunt and then you got muzzleloader and you got rifle it's uh, it doesn't leave you a, a ton of time to to practice and stuff and then between scouting so it's just another another activity that takes up time but it's it's all fun yep well cool man yeah jason thanks for uh hopping on i have to uh run to a meeting here in a few minutes but um yeah it was cool to to get to know you and a little bit here on the podcast and um like i said david had nothing but good things to say about you and he said you were uh 
you're his go-to buddy for for hunting in in utah no that means a lot i, I appreciate the invite it's good to talk to you too frank and good to catch up dave we got more stories to make so uh i look forward to it yeah right maybe on. we can uh we can get you back on after next year's hunting season you guys can let us know how it all panned out double up again yeah, sounds good <laughs> yeah there we go all right, right man. take care all right see ya see you guys